Ungdomsradio. Hi, hello, hola, and hello. Welcome to My Kids Think I'm Cool, but podcast. A podcast about getting knocked up in a foreign country, families living abroad, and raising children in a different culture. All while trying to keep your cool and not lose your shit. I'm your host, Jackie, an American Filipino mom living in Denmark, and my kids think I'm cool, but... I tell my kids a toy is broken when I don't when I don't want to change a battery. So my daughter has many toys that sing or make noise, some worse than others. Imagine that. I made a mistake and bought her a cheap Anna and Elsa doll that I bought a while ago. They both sing Let It Go. Sometimes she figured out, or actually one time she figured out that if you press the button at the same time that they will both sing let it go at the same time oh my gosh this went on for months until they both died when she asked me to change the battery because she figured out what a battery was i told her that unfortunately the toy was broken and a new battery won't help it right anyone anyone else can relate to this um this incident of uh, their toy having an annoying noise and you tell your kids that it's broken i know you're out there so let me know email me and let me know if you also had that experience anyways let's get on to the episode hello everyone again and welcome to my kids think i'm cool but podcast <laughs> Thank you for joining me on this topic, on this chaotic journey of parenthood in a foreign country. In today's episode, we will be talking about how to balance culture and language all while trying to raise your children. This will be an interesting topic to discuss and to talk about since us internationals living abroad go through this every day with our family. What is acceptable in our home country is not really acceptable um, some things that are acceptable in our home country are is not acceptable here in Denmark. How do parents balance both worlds while trying to keep their own culture back where they are coming from? Well, yep, that's my phone. <laughs> All we are going to be talking about is by experience and not by an expert uh, or not an expert opinion so this is all going to be experience i want to share an episode where everything um when what am i doing what am i doing uh, I, I don't know honey it's all good i mean it's the, <laughs> it was it's it's a, it's a phone's fault okay. i know i've really lost my yeah, track but but it's, it is okay because you know <laughs> here we are to save you in this sort of, of situations i was missing talking to you actually yeah oh so, yeah it was a good whole five minutes right yes but uh, <laughs> it's all good and ending man okay well let's try to okay i'm not gonna read the script anymore <laughs> so what i'm gonna share on this episode is everything that i um that worked for me and my guests but if you have something that worked for you or that helped you out as a parent international feel Feel free to email me, message me, Facebook me, Insta me. There's so many ways of communication these days. I can't even keep up with it. So, yeah, find those uh, social media outlets and message me. Now I can introduce my very special guest, Camilla. G uh, you can pronounce your last name. <laughs> it's very Danish. Baker. Um, she is a Dane, but grew up all over the world besides Denmark. She moved back to Denmark a couple years ago. 
Uh, she'll be talking about her experience living abroad as a Dane and how her parents kept the balance of her Dan uh, Danish identity, having her son in another country and moving back to Denmark with her family. She's also a parenting coach where she helps parents really find their true purpose to be a powerful parent to their children and find their self-worth because parenting is hard as shit. Anyone else can agree parenting's hard? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Camilla, for joining me for this episode on My Kids Think I'm Cool But podcast. Would you like to add anything else to my introduction? Um, no, I think you covered it all. Um, just my surname. It's uh, Gamelgard Baker. Gamelgard, okay. But yeah, no, I'm nobody. I didn't even know how to spell Gamelgard until I was like nine. So, <laughs> what is Gamel for old? Yes. So uh, it it really means like old farm or something. Oh. Um, and then the baker is obvious. That's baker. Yeah. Know, in English. So yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think you. Okay, I, I try. I try to yeah. pronounce it. So. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> By the way, uh, what you were talking about at the beginning, yeah, the experience that you do with your children—that's called lying. Lying. Mm, yeah, you're lying to <laughs> no, your children, it's a man. Fib. <laughs> it's called a white lie. I have. I I don't buy the noise making toys anymore. I've learned that. So yeah, after I had a w really bad experience with the Anna and Elsa doll singing "Let It Let It Go" for uh, months. I think actually you're doing it to protect your own sanity. Yeah, you know, I think there's something about sometimes we need to lie to our kids to keep them safe because if we don't like if we go crazy, then it's not good for the kids. No, <laughs> no, I'm and, shocked. And that and that uh, if you had this Anna and Elsa doll in your house, you would also. I have a 14 year old the uh, stepdaughter. <laughs> you know, so oh, I think I can live with that Anna and Elsa dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that <laughs> when your daughter your daughter turns a teenager. <laughs> I like noise, man. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're yeah. a musician, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to break the ice a little bit and get more comfortable speaking into the microphone, let's see a lie that you have. <laughs> Since we're saying it's a lie, uh, what's something that uh, your kids think you're cool but? Not moment. <laughs> um, well, I was trying to think of some examples of this on the way over here. And um, I thought of two things. And the first one was that, I mean, so many times, and I still do this, so I hope he never finds out. But at some point, he's going <laughs> to figure this out. But so often, we'll go past McDonald's, and he'll be like, hey, look, Mom, it's McDonald's. And I'm like, oh, honey, I'm really sorry. They're closed on oh, Tuesdays. You know? I got to use that one. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, let's just keep going. You know? Yeah. Um, but the other one, the other kind of, I mean, it's not exactly a lie. It's not a lie. But it's it was just one of those parenting moments where you just think, oh, God, like, what what the hell is going on here? Um, but basically, I'm, I'm the kind of parent who really wants to try to be a really good parent and eat really healthy and yeah. do all these nice things. So somehow I got hold of some, I thought it was like tinned fish, but it wasn't. It was actually some sort of like fish liver oil or fish liver in, in fish liver oil or something. And I just thought it was really, really gross. But I was trying to like push it on my family. Like, it's really healthy. We should all eat this. And, you know, anyway, whatever. So it didn't go down well. And then we had this spare um, tin in the cupboard. Now, my son was like a year and a half old. I'd just given him a bath. He'd come out of the bath. I'm like cleaning up the bathroom and I can see him going into the kitchen. And this just happened in like slow motion. Yeah. Because he opens the cupboard. And I, I did not think a one and a half year old would be able to open like a ring pull on a can. But it all like he was moving in super speed. Really? And I was moving in like slow motion because he cracks this open and then pours it <gasps> all over himself. And because it's like such a nice oily experience, he's rubbing it into like his body and like all over the floor. And I'm like, no, like running towards him slow motion, like stop. 
And even though he just had a bath, I had to wash him again, and I still could not get it off because it was oil. So for two days, he just stunk of fish. Oh my god! Liver fish. Yeah, liver. Yeah, totally fish liver. It was like the worst smell. And I just thought, this is karma. You know, I'm trying to get them to like eat this. Nobody wants to eat it, and now it's gonna haunt me for days. Yeah. So I think we've all got those. And you've you never know. bought it ever again. Never. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning. How did this your son open it? I don't know. He it, he didn't manage to open the whole can, thankfully, because then he could have cut himself. But can. just that click, and then it was enough for the oil to seep out. Oh. And the floor, like honestly, I think it was like three months before it was like a really slippery part on the floor. Because no matter how many times we washed it, we just couldn't get it off. So it just <laughs> stuck on there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I think the times. smell would kill me more than anything yeah, else. Yeah, it was the smell. But his skin was like really soft. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a payback. <laughs> Maybe this is something that we should all start doing, no? Yeah. Fish oil. Fish oil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the pills, not the actual oil oil, and it has the smelly. Yeah. <laughs> smelly aftershock. <laughs> Anyways, besides the fish oil, um, I wanted to get into a little bit of your childhood. Um, you lived outside of Denmark most of your childhood. Mm -hmm. And what countries did you live in and grow up as a, a child? Uh, well, first we were in Saudi Arabia, and that's where I spent the majority of my childhood. And then we moved on. Well, then I was in Denmark for like half a year, and then we went to Kuwait and the Philippines. Okay. And back to Denmark briefly, and then, um, yeah, then back to Saudi Arabia. So that was where I spent my childhood, and then I ended up moving on to England afterwards when I was a bit older. Okay. And then eventually back to Denmark. Yeah. So you are kind of moved around yeah. uh, a bit Saudi more. Saudi Arabia. Yep. Yeah. This is very interesting now. Yeah. So how how uh, which which uh, country did you think was the easiest uh, to adapt to, or um, yeah, as a, as a a, gr uh, a little girl or as a teenager? Because it seems like you also um, grew up there as a teenager, and it's so different, Saudi Arabia or Kuwait compared to uh, Denmark. It's two different worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> it's a it's a really good question because. Um, you know, as a child, I think you kind of just go with the flow mm -hmm. and you don't really question stuff. Yeah. So I grew up there just thinking everything was the same wherever I went, you know, whether we moved from one country to another. Like I didn't really notice a huge difference. When I really noticed the difference was when I moved away from Saudi Arabia. So I was around, I don't know, 16-ish, 15, yeah. 16. And we couldn't carry on our education in English at that point as, mm -hmm. as women. Now I think you can carry on your education in English and stay for longer. But I moved to England to do my studies and then I came back. Mm -hmm. When I came back, that's when I really felt the difference. Okay. And the fact that there was like no places to go hang out as like uh, as a young person. There was no cinemas. There was, you know, there were all these kind of different things. And suddenly I felt quite restricted mm -hmm. in a way that I hadn't felt at all before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. The Middle East is super different to Europe, or at least it was back then. Because of course, the other thing to remember is now I'm like nearly 40 and my childhood, you know, it's many years ago. Things have really changed a lot yeah, since then. Yeah, and things evolved. Absolutely, yeah, evolved. Yeah, but that's that's got to really affect um, since you moved back to Kuwait or Saudi Arabia. That really had to affect uh, you as a, a adult uh, woman at growing up. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think it is just really different because I mean, even um, women were just um, second. That's what I've heard. Yeah, they were just treated differently. Yeah. I'll give you an example. 
So once I was, so I was a teenager and I went into this music store with some friends and we're just in there like perusing the CDs, yeah. you know, and, you know, having a good time. And then suddenly the, the shop owner comes and kicks me out. He like pulls me out. And it, by coincidence, I was the only girl in the group at that uh. point. And he said, didn't you see the sign on the door? And I was like, no, what sign? So I went and looked at the door and there was a sign on the door. And who would have thought to look for a sign, right? But it said, no food, no dogs, no women allowed. And I just thought, oh, my God, we're beneath the dogs. Like, what is this? You know. <laughs> but my friends were equally horrified because yeah. they were just like, what? Uh, you know, but they were all guys. So I, I was like, were the they internationals, one. too? Or were they from there? Um, it was it was mixed. It was a mixed bag. There were yeah. some from Saudi, some that were part Saudi, part Swedish or part American and, and some that were just Scandinavian, I think. So, yeah, OK, real mix of people. OK. And they're, they're also equally shocked. And yeah, and yeah. What's going on there? I'm, I've never um, experienced there. Um, they're probably, it's probably changed a lot. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And today. So. You still get beheaded in the public square. <laughs> that hasn't changed much, you know? Maybe, may, but the equality has probably changed a little bit there. Well, women. Women can drive now. Yeah. Yeah. So I heard, that's but that's big, just a recent that's law. That's very that, recent. Yeah, yeah. A recent law just got passed. Yeah. So I think it was only a couple of years ago. It's, it's definitely a move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I forgot totally as well to mention that I'd also lived in Dubai. In Dubai, okay. Yeah, because that was a much freer place than when I was living in Saudi Arabia. But oh, okay. even within Saudi Arabia, there's different areas that are freer than others. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Oh, that's definitely had to be an experience um, growing up there and really affect who you are as a, as a person now. Absolutely. Um, what, since your parents moved around a lot to these different uh, countries, uh, how did your uh, parents keep the culture of Denmark alive in the household? So um, you kind of know where you came from. Yeah, well, we, we would speak Danish at home. Mm -hmm. So Danish was like our, our first language. Um, although now my English is definitely stronger than my Danish just because I've lived abroad for so long. Mm -hmm. um, but mostly through food. Okay. I think food is such a like um, nurturing reminder of home. So kind of cooking all this stuff from Denmark. And my dad would often also, I don't know if he can get in trouble for this, but I think because it's already happened in the past, it doesn't matter, but he would yeah. smuggle stuff in. <laughs> oh, yeah, I smuggle stuff in Denmark, <laughs> but like food. Yeah, food. So yeah. basically pork wasn't allowed in, in oh, the Middle really? East. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know about the Middle East, but in Saudi Arabia, that was illegal. Okay. And alcohol was illegal. So people would brew their own alcohol at home in their bathtubs, and then they would sell it. And I remember as a teenager, my dad actually taught me, like, if you go to a party and if you drink, I just want you to know that look for the blue tint in the alcohol, because if it's blue tint, then you can risk going blind. So don't drink that stuff. You want the yellow tint. You know? so <laughs> just like really weird conversations to have with your parents. But it was just like they didn't want us to end up like in really bad situations. Um, but he used to like smuggle in like pork roasts or liver pate or yeah. things like that, like hidden in amongst other stuff. Or if he'd smuggle in alcohol. Um, he would put all these stinky Danish cheeses on top in the box. Yeah. So when the customs but stinky guy Danish would cheese yeah, allowed, yeah, somehow <laughs> cheese is okay, just not pork, you know. Okay. Um, but then when they'd open the box, they'd be like, "God, that smells awful. It's rotten. Just send it through." And then yeah. he'd like get his bottle of red wine and his pork roast or whatever. So um, yeah, it was it was weird times. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it was interesting times. But yeah, food food was a real kind of connector. Um, to yeah. to the way that yeah to kind of feel like you were okay still at home and and kind of Christmas traditions and kind of I don't know things you do with your family like that they may not do in the country you're living in but just things you you know traditions you bring from home yeah oh that's really nice because for me I came from 
Philippines to the U.S. Uh, was also food for me. Um, and then from here to or from U.S. to Denmark, uh, I also my my suitcase is full of either food or um, my children's clothes. <laughs> Yeah, but peanut butter was like one big thing. I know they'd say they have peanut butter here, but it's not the same. Oh, it's, it's not, not the, the same. same. Thing. No, it's wow. not the same. Peanut I want to try the original stuff. Yeah, then. you have to try. It, even though it's uh, packed with uh, preservatives, <laughs> maybe that's the taste difference. Yeah. <laughs> it's all it's the still, E numbers. <laughs> it still tastes good <laughs> compared to the peanut butter here. That is doesn't taste as good, but yeah. Um, which country did you find it the hardest to live in as a child, um, child of the world? <laughs> I put that. I put that. <laughs> child of the world. It sounds so uh, exotic. I'm just like a really pale Dane. You know? But um, um, yeah, it, that's a really good question because I, I think there's pros and cons to every place where you live. Yeah, that's you know? true. So I, I enjoyed everywhere I lived. I mean, the amazing thing about the Middle East is people are so hospitable and so welcoming and Having gone to international schools, th there was always like such a multicultural, like such a diversity. And I love that because it kind of teaches you that there's no set one way to do things. Mm -hmm. Like you can just, there's so many different varieties of stuff. Um, but yeah, I think maybe growing up as a, as a woman, not just as a woman, but well, or as a girl, um, but also as a foreigner um, in Saudi Arabia and in Kuwait, sometimes that was tricky. Yeah. I think me and all my friends who've lived there, we probably all had a lot of kind of hashtag me too moments, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember even my mom, she was out like with, I don't know how old. No, actually, no, I think I was the one in the pram, but she was out walking me in a pram and, you know, people would come up and grope you and stuff, which is totally yeah. gross. But this one time she was like out pushing the pram and she was walking next to a road and a car slowed down just enough to kind of like whack her on the ass but because it was still moving quite fast she like nearly fell over you know yeah so kind of unpleasant experiences like that that are also kind of comical in some ways but in other ways they're just you know it's just kind of gross yeah um so yeah you know i think but i don't think that that's necessarily everybody's experience who's lived there um I, but i think we were kind of singled out for looking different as well um and you know maybe we we're just kind of easier prey yeah. So, yeah. I think it's because you just look so different from mm. from everyone else or yeah. they're just curious. It's like, oh, it's like what well, what are they doing here? Or it's just you're a curious uh, person to get to know or just like, oh, we're going to harass this person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cuz they can't do anything. Yeah. So, yeah. it either goes one way or the other. Yeah. <laughs> Since you have your own family now, um your husband's from UK, right? Yep, yeah. That's right. And then uh, you are Dane. How do you maintain the culture uh, of both worlds in your house with the two, with being U from UK or from Denmark, and then also you living from different parts of the world? Like it's it has to be a, a different kind of um, uh, how the household works. Yeah, I think um, I think every family is completely unique because yeah. we all bring different stuff to the table. Even if you come from the same country, both of you, I think just the way you've been raised within your own kind of family yeah. culture, you're going to bring different stuff to the table. And um, you don't always agree and, you know, you're not always united front because you kind of, I think a lot of stuff happens subconsciously. You just kind of assume that, oh, well, this is how I grew up and this is how it's done. So surely everybody does it this way. Yeah. And then it's not until you start your own family that you're like, what? You don't want to do it my way? Like you have a different idea of how we should be raising our kids or doing this particular thing, you know? Um so I think a lot of it we don't even necessarily think about. We don't think, okay, we must maintain like this Danish thing or this English thing. I think it kind of just happens naturally. And a lot of it is me and my husband speak English to one another at home. Okay. He speaks English to our son and I speak Danish to our son. Okay. 
And originally our son would reply in Danish to both of us, but now he's he's learning English in school as well. Okay. So it's kind of given him the confidence. So now he's replying in English much more. Um, so, you know, that's one way we kind of do it. But we kind of, we cook stuff from both countries, well, and many other countries as well. Um, but even if we have like a Christmas dinner, yeah, we'll incorporate like the Danish stuff with mm-hmm. the English stuff. So, so there's lots of ways we kind of merged the two cultures, I think. How often do you visit back uh, in England to um, your husband's family? Before COVID, yeah. it was probably once or twice a year. Yeah. And now, you know, things are really different. So who knows? Who knows when it'll next be? Yeah, we'll this have is, to wait and That's see. how I feel. It's like, like when, when are you going to come visit? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they'll let my family in. They'll let me in because I'm American, but um, my family isn't, don't have the citizenship. So they probably will have problems. So yeah. yeah, a brave new world, a brand new world. <laughs> exactly, that, that's my comment. A nice little Aladdin singing exactly. there. Yeah. <laughs> um, what made you want to move back to uh, Denmark? Because you had your son in in UK, right? That's right. And then, what made you want to move back to Denmark? And um, and was it a hard transition for you to move back to Denmark? It was surprisingly hard. Yeah, I thought it was going to be super easy. So we originally thought about it that we would want to try it for a year just to mm-hmm. sort of see what we thought. And then we decided we really liked it. So we stuck around. How long ago did you move here? Um, it's six and a half years now. Okay. So, um, yeah, it feels it feels recent, but it feels more settled. From now. England. Yes, from England. That was... Um, for me, it was hard to move from England to here. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't hard to move from Chile to England. It It's almost... I, I think for me, the difference between moving from somewhere... I don't know, warmer, you know, all this kind of stuff to England was I was expecting there to be a big difference. And then there wasn't, it was fine. With England to Denmark, I thought, oh, this is going to be easy. Both European countries, same kind of climate, same kind of people, everything's going to be fine. But no, <laughs> you know, it was like this real culture shock. Yeah. And I really thought, oh, this is going to be easy. This is like my country. I'm from here. I speak the language fluently. This is going to be fine. Um, but yeah, it was quite tricky. Um, even, even... I think my experience was whenever we came to visit, yeah, all the Danish people were very kind of very hospitable. Like I yeah. love that about the Danes. Very hospitable, very welcoming, very kind of here, come over for dinner and we'll cook on all this amazing stuff and put on, you know, all this stuff. But as soon as you move there and you want to stay, it's almost like, okay, now you have to prove yourself. Yeah. And yeah. and I remember getting these comments like, oh, so you've come home. So you're trying to like be Danish now. And I just thought, but I am Danish. Why do I have to try? You know, yeah. I'm like, both my parents are Danish. Uh, you know, I'm Danish. I've got a Danish passport. I speak Danish. Like, what more do I need to do? Um, so, yeah, it, w- it was a tricky transition. Um, but we were incredibly lucky. We had family here. We made friends with the neighbors. Um, it was just, it was really nice. It's a small town. So it's, you almost need someone to vouch for you, you know. But yeah. as soon as you're kind of vouched for, then it's like you're welcome and you're included and, um, so we were incredibly lucky, and um, and my husband was learning Danish before we even moved here, and then carried on learning while he's here. And I think just that kind of willingness to try, because it is a super hard language. Yeah, it is like the hardest. Um, precise. Yeah, precise. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So just trying and making that effort, I think, goes a long way. So yeah, it was hard, but we're really well settled, and we're really grateful that it was as like I could see that it could be even harder for someone who didn't have family here or didn't yeah. have friends here already or something like that. Yeah, with with me, I'm also lucky because I have um, my spouse is uh, from here, and so I have his family, and yeah. 
I get along with his family. His family helps out. But there's also other um, other uh, internationals that have Danish husbands, but then they don't get along with with their family. So yeah. it's kind of like a toss up. It's like you, it's like a, a lottery. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like either, Russian roulette. Yeah, it's like you either have a good family or you can hate the other side of the family and you're kind of left alone. Yeah. So it's it, you don't know what you get into until you actually go there and move there and live there. Yeah. If you feel alone in Denmark, go to a bodega. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll find friends very easily after five pints of a beer. Precise. But before <laughs> 10 o'clock. Yeah, before 10 o'clock, yeah. <laughs> With the new rules. Um, when you moved back to Denmark, besides, you know, transitioning in, uh, did you find anything else? Uh, did you find it? Uh, did you find anything difficult or didn't understand why um, parents or kids were a certain way? Uh, for me, I thought it was crazy when I saw uh, kids under 10 or 10 years old taking public transportation Or uh, when kids were drinking at like age 14 and they're drinking because their parents gave them, uh, you know, a, a, a beer or um, what is that uh, sweet drink? Summer's Brew or yeah, something like that. The things. cider to their kids that were 14. To me, that was like, whoa, it's like she's he or she's 14, like already drinking. I couldn't even look at alcohol till I was 21. <laughs> yeah. So what, did you find anything uh, difficult or was like, didn't understand uh, yeah. at that point when you moved here? I did. Yeah. I, um, one of the things I think, I think Denmark, I think it's known for like its happiness levels. It's, it's known to be like one of the happiest places in the mm -hmm. world. And I think, um, you know, they have a really strong sense of community, but I think there's also this really strong sense of like, there is a Danish way of doing things. There's like this one way and that's the way we all do it. So it's kind of, it's slightly conformist, right? Yeah. And I think that's also the thing that binds them and, you know, strengthens that really strong bond, that connection. And that's a really positive. But if you don't know what the way is, when you come in, you're just like, what am I doing? Like, how am I not fitting in? Like, I feel like everything I'm doing is right, but obviously it's different to everyone else. So the way that this kind of um, was the most obvious with the parenting for me was when my son started Daoplaya, uh, so, you know, daycare, um, like in England, we would just layer the kids up with the weather. Like, mm -hmm. okay, it's it's cold, so you put on some more layers and it's fine. Mm -hmm. But here we were told, no, you know, they have to have these Tamil yeah. yeah. Um, and you've got to have the Fluodract and all these things where I was like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. But, you know, until, until we buy one, because now he has all these layers, why don't we just carry on using them until... It, you know, we need to buy the next size up and then we'll get the Tamil toy or the whatever. And they were like, no, no, you know, this is how we do it. And I was like, okay, all right. So we've got to go buy the stuff, fine. And then the other thing was my son had, um, he'd, I very much followed his kind of nap routine. I'd followed his body clock. So when he was tired, he'd sleep. And when he yeah. seemed like he needed less naps, then we were kind of weaning him off the naps because we could just tell he wasn't really needing them anymore. So um, I think he started Dow Playa when he was like around two. So I think we'd been here half a year and he'd already stopped his naps by then. And they told me, no, he needs to nap. So I was like, but he's, he's already stopped napping. Like, yeah. You know, and they're like, no, no, he's got a nap and he's got a nap outside in a pram. And I was like, 
right, okay, normally he naps inside and that's fine. I know it's good for them, the fresh air, but I'm going to have to like introduce this new way with him because like, yeah. you can't just stick him in the pram and then like, you know, hey, cry it out and see what happens, <laughs> you know? So I was sitting outside in the winter next to this pram, like trying to get him to sleep and like putting all these layers of clothes on him and sitting next to the pram. And my husband was like, you can't leave him out there. And I'm like, no, it's safe. Everybody does in Denmark. And he's like, no, no, you have to stay next to the pram. So I'm sitting there shivering, reading my book for two hours in the snow, you know, it's just, like a really bizarre scenario just to kind of so at least he had that experience of being used to the pram with yeah. me so that he could feel secure to then go do it in the daycare so wow uh, did you so you accepted the sleeping outside then yes okay yeah because i kind of one thing i've i've had said to me a lot and i i don't know sometimes i agree with it and sometimes i don't Fresh but air. people, well, no, <laughs> yeah, I mean that for oxygen. sure. Yeah, oxygen, fresh air. I mean, you know, sometimes I don't always agree with it, but I think it's kind of necessary. No, yeah. no, no, I'm kidding. But um, but one thing that people keep saying is like, well, if you don't like the Danish way, then don't be here. You know, yeah, it's like, I always right. That, yeah. Okay, it's a bit, it's a bit harsh to That's have it said strong. like that. You know, it's strong. It's a strong way of yeah. saying it. But I, 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 I can entirely relate to your experience because when I moved here and I went to start going to Danish classes. I felt that it's like, it wasn't about learning Danish. It was about learning how to be a Dane, you know? And and, and it, it gener it's very divisive, the, fa the fact that, well, therefore I'm not good enough. This this is this is was my experience. This is what I felt. It was like, well, well, I'm not good enough then how I am. I need to change to be accepted, which actually in a way is not true. I have, m the majority of my friends are Danish and I'm very well received. They, they know I'm crazy. And they cope with it, <laughs> and they love me, and I love them back. But I can relate entirely to that, to yeah. that statement. Yeah, you're not the first person that I've heard say that about the Danish classes. My husband as well. He said that a lot of sometimes when he shares his homework with me, we kind of we look at it and we think, oh, this is really interesting. This is kind of. I wouldn't use the word propaganda on the radio, but it kind of almost no. is. You know? <laughs> but, but it is actually. Yeah, it is. It is a. Uh, Conditioning, yeah, uh, that's a better word. But uh, it, it, it is a it is a complex subject, I think. Yes, and and it's you know I remember landing in England, you know, going to Liverpool, couldn't understand a word, you know. But people was super welcoming. Nobody cared if they you know they make the effort. In less than six months, I was speaking English entirely involved in the community. Nobody stopped me. Nobody yeah. pointed out anything. Yeah, you know. And I, I encountered that that way was it's extremely healthy. It yeah. wanted me to be part of what was going the on there, yeah. you know. And in in as as a, as a yeah, position, then Mardit put that there, and I have to find that outside of that system, I actually can be accepted and be well. But if yeah. I wanted to, and it's one of the reasons I stopped going to Danish classes, I could I was making me feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, I said, well, I will sacrifice it. You know, I'm fine. I found my my tribe. Your, your yeah. click. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How's your uh, um, husband on his Danish now? Did um, he pass uh, module five? He, no, he hasn't quite got there yet. He also stopped his Danish classes for a while. And then he returned to it because he wanted to pass the, um, so I, I'm not sure if he's like module three, four or something. Okay. I'm not sure exactly where he is, but. I'm still um, on module three and I've been here seven okay. years. Maybe, maybe he's around the same. Yeah, level. I only stopped is because I had, I was busy with work. I work, was working full time and traveling a lot. And then I had my kid, my daughter. 
and then I had my son and now I don't have time for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just like a, such a full load. And now if I could start over in Denmark as I wish I would have finished it. Just just the module five, um, I probably wouldn't have learned anything because I know a lot of people that actually finished module five mm-hmm. and they haven't learned anything. Mm. They only did it for either Danish citizenship or uh, permanent residency, but they never got anything out of it. Um, they still speak English and maybe hi and farewell. <laughs> yeah, from what I've from what I've understood from speaking to a lot of different people taking the Danish classes. They're really good for grammar and writing, yeah. but less so for the speaking, yeah. which is is kind of a shame because actually that's the thing I think you need the most, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, being able to speak it and communicate it. I just, yeah, I just go to my in laws for the weekend, and I was like, "Woo, Danish! I got my cake. yeah immersion." And yeah, I just immersed myself and just go with it. And my Danish actually improves when I go go visit them for a weekend, and and also I learned a lot from my uh, my daughter. Cool. Um, she speaks perfect uh, Danish, switches Danish English very fantastic easily. So I learn all, and sometimes she corrects my Danish. <laughs> so yeah, and then uh, I have a lot of friends actually that tell me that's going to be the rest of my life. Yeah. Don't don't take it too personally. <laughs> my son does that to me as well, and I am Danish, so it's yeah. it's, it's okay. It's like Moa, do forget. I was like yeah. ah, it's like thanks. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> So, yeah, at least I understand her, her Danish. <laughs> um, since you grew up in different parts of the world, uh, do you think it influences the way you parent um, uh, now? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think if I had if I had stayed here and lived here my entire life, I think, you know, I don't even think I'd even be questioning anything about what the social norms are. Mm-hmm. I think because I've had so many different social norms in so many different countries, I think... It just it, it would be like um, it, just in the same way that it shapes you as a person, it can't but not kind of help to also shape you as a parent. I think it just happens naturally. Um, can you give me like an example, like um, how you since you actually met so many different uh, parents and d- different cultures, what is one thing that you can say that you take into your parenting and how you parent as a um, as an adult now to your son? Oh, that's a really good question. I don't remember reading that one before we started. Improvising, Improvising. And catching you off guard. Yeah, no, no, that's cool. We like that. You know? um, let's think. Um, I think. I think there's something about being bilingual and having lived different places. You, Like I was saying earlier, you see that there's more than one way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And I think over here it is very, and I and I love it. Like I, this is definitely my favorite place to live. Otherwise, we wouldn't have stayed. And like I said, there's pros and cons to every place, right? Yeah. But I think there is very much this kind of this is the one way to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, and I have met Danes where they kind of look at me like, oh, why are you why are you doing it that way or or whatever. And I can't think of a specific example of anything right now, um, but I I know for sure that. This kind of, I mean, they even show in like brain science, you know, I'm sure there's a different term for that (laughs) (laughs) brain science, you know, Um, but that if you're bilingual, it it activates different parts of the brain. So that when you're problem solving, you're more likely to look for many different solutions. Mm. Whereas if you're if you're unilingual or whatever the word is, then, you know, you're just looking for one or two solutions. So so I think I don't know. I think you just kind of 
look at things in a different way. But I can't think of a specific example. Yeah, I'm sorry. no, it's okay. <laughs> Just trying to see if you're paying attention. <laughs> Keeping me on there. my toes. Yes. Just Easy kidding. <laughs> Um, seeing all these parents and meeting all these parents from all over the world uh, while you were growing up and through your adult life, is this why you wanted to become uh, a parenting coach? Um, actually, I ended up becoming a parenting coach for different reasons. And um, so, okay, so I, I took my uh, degree in England and became a child therapist. Mm-hmm. So I was working um, counseling children for a number of years. I was trying to remember how many it was earlier, and I think it might have been around seven or something like mm-hmm. that, and working with families over there. And I loved it. It was fantastic work, and I really, really enjoyed it. But it was also really hard because you could make a real big difference to the child but you'd keep sending them back home to the same family. So it's like you're trying to fix something where actually... It's the parents. Sometimes it's the parents. Okay. Yeah, the, the environment, parents. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's the environment. You know, they're, they're bringing a lot of stuff to the table from their own childhoods, their mm-hmm. own baggage that is going to still keep the dynamic alive. So even if you change whatever pattern it is in the child, if they're going to keep going back into that environment, it's really difficult. So I thought I need to be working with the parents. Mm-hmm. So I was already beginning to feel that. And then we moved here. And then, joy of joys, uh, my qualifications from England weren't recognized here. Wow. So, yeah. So I, I know that really. Yeah, I thought, <laughs> oh, it's going to be easy to find work. You yeah. know, I have a really great, well-paid job here in England. Look at my CV. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, okay, so that doesn't work here. Right, okay. So I was told I could start from scratch and study psychology again. But oh, that's I, like another like four or five years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd studied it for six years to get to the point I was at and paid for it. Like yeah. in Denmark, I think a lot of it is funded. In England, it wasn't. So I paid for it. I'd had to work alongside. And it was a really in-depth training where you mm-hmm. have your own therapy along the side. You, you you volunteer places. It had taken a lot of time. And I was traveling to London. I was getting up at four so I could take a bus at five. It was like really like hardcore. So the thought of doing that again this time with having a small child, I just thought I cannot do that. So I thought, right, let's pivot. Let's use this as an opportunity mm-hmm. to do something different. And then I decided to become a parenting coach. Okay. And one of the things that kind of triggered that as well was um, one of my really good friends, her name was Jane. Mm-hmm. She was almost like a mom to me and she passed away suddenly, mm-hmm. which was really sad, but it kind of She was always the person, she had this great expression. If ever I was struggling with something with my kid and I was like, oh my God, you know, the midwife is saying this or the doctor's saying that or, you know, but but then she, you know, my mother-in-law said this or she said this or whatever, getting all these different sources of advice and feeling really like, I don't know what I should be doing with my child. Who has the answer? She just always say to me, like, who's saying this? The midwife. Yeah, but the midwife's read some book about it. Yeah, exactly. She's read some book about it. She's an expert in it. She's like, yeah, but your kid, Sawyer, he has not read that book. So screw it. Do what feels right to you. And that just helped me so much. And her kind of supporting me in that way made me want to support other people in that way too. So when she passed away, it kind of made me, because my mom died when I was 13. So I was already aware of like how short life can be and how so, you know, suddenly things can change. I just felt really, really grateful for having had some time with Jane. Yeah. Like having that, walked that journey with her for, for some of it. Yeah. I just kind of thought, yeah, you know what? Life is short. You never know what's going to happen. Like yeah. now is the time. Now is the time to just jump and try this dream and just try to be a parent coach and just see what happens. And then it kind of spurred me on. And that's that's how I ended up becoming a parenting coach. How long have you been a parenting coach? Uh, it's only about... A year and a half. Okay. So it's just uh, recently then yeah. that you 
um, started doing the parenting coach. Yep. Yeah. I'm calling her. <laughs> and if I need coaching, I'm calling her. I never even knew it it uh, existed actually. And um, for the listeners out there, can you explain a little bit uh, what parenting coach is? Um, I can try to explain it, but I'll probably mess it up. No, you won't <laughs> mess it up. But yeah, no, I'm happy to explain. So um, a parenting coach is really just someone who kind of um, can give you advice or help you problem solve. So if you come to them with a specific issue, like if you're having problems getting your kid to go to bed on time, or if you're feeling like your kid is being bullied and you want some strategies on how mm-hmm. to kind of toughen them up and give them really good self-esteem so that they know how to handle those situations, so all that kind of stuff. punch the other person. Yeah, thing. totally. You know? <laughs> Free pass for aggression. Yeah. No, no. But, <laughs> but you know, kind of um, teaching them different ways of coping. and Okay, dealing and, with um, it. Yeah, so, so it can be really practical strategies, but it can also be a really good kind of soundboard where you're bouncing ideas ideas off someone who might just have a bit of an outside perspective because sometimes when you're in it we can't see the wood for the trees like we're so in it and we're so immersed in the feelings and the drama and the oh my god I'm not good enough and all that stuff that sometimes just having like an outside person to look at it and help you kind of think it through and empower you to find your own solutions can be really useful but I'm slightly different in the way that I parent coach Mm -hmm. because yes I'm happy I'm absolutely happy to help you make a routine before bedtime to get your kid to go to sleep on time or Mm -hmm. help them, you know, eat their vegetables or whatever it might be that you're coming to me for. But what I really, really like, because I'm, I don't know, I'm the kind of person like, yes, small talk is fine, but I'd rather go deeper and ask you stuff like, hey, do you believe in ghosts? Or, you know, like, you know, I don't know, just weird stuff. I just want to like go deep. I'm calling here even more. (laughs) 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 Mr. Conspiracy Theory guy here. (laughs) He is perfect. Uh, (laughs) Perfect I saw a ghost and now she knows (laughs) I can talk here about this. (laughs) Oh, brilliant. Um, But I just, I kind of like to go deeper, you know? So so what I'm really curious about when it comes to those situations isn't so much, you know, why aren't you getting your kid to bed on time if you want them to go to bed at like seven and it's not happening until nine or whatever. For me, it's more like, how do you feel in that moment? How, like, what is going on for you that you don't feel equipped to handle that? And what is going on for your child? Like, what is being triggered in you? And then let's look at where that's coming from. Because okay. if you can deal with that, if you can like pull it out by the roots instead of mm-hmm. kind of, you know, slapping a plaster on a broken leg. You know, if you're just dealing with the symptoms, the problem is not going to change. So I really like to go deep. Okay. So you really want to not, it's not just my son won't do this or something. It's it's something deeper how the parent is actually reacting to that moment in that yeah. second. So <laughs> regarding my confession of telling my <laughs> my daughter that the battery is uh, the toy is broken <laughs> how would i handle that if i didn't want to well, lie to her <laughs> yeah but i think you know i think i think small lies exactly are okay. but this is what i was exactly going to say like that I, to my ex-wife <laughs> <laughs> Oh, depends That's on the kind lie, of though. Different lie, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It depends on what's going on. It depends on the 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 the, the lie I think. and the intention behind yeah. the lie. Yeah, mine. I just don't want to hear. Let it go for another hundred times. Yes. No, but I think genuinely. I, I know I was kind of joking about it earlier, but you know, sometimes there's something about we need to look out for us as the parents, yeah. as as the mothers first, right? Because. Like if we're happy, it's more likely like if you if you know, if you're feeling good about yourself and you're feeling happy, you can better give to your kid. Yeah. If you are at your wits end because you're so tired and your fuse is so short and you're impatient, that's not good for your kid either because then you're more irritable and taking stuff out on them. So I think actually you didn't remove the batteries. 
Mm. You let them run out by yeah. themselves. Yeah. And then it's just a white lie that's not hurting anyone. Like for me, that's actually you looking out for you. And then by, you know, indirect, whatever, it's helping out your kid as well. So because otherwise you could end up being that mom that's like, oh, my God, I can't take this anymore. Yeah, like, I would probably you know, throw the Barbie across the room and then break it. And then that would be a whole different story of crying. <laughs> you broke my Elsa and Anna. <laughs> and then it'll be like, mom, you did this. At yeah. least this way, it's kind of, it's not your fault. Yeah, you know? It just doesn't work. It's just the batteries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and work, if you know? wonder how cruel was the world, now you get a good peek at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm learning real, so much. Real this life. Is, this real is, life. I'm waking up to reality. Real man. life parenting. Yeah, no, real life I parenting. saw my mom was a good mother. Now I see all the lies. <laughs> <laughs> but you I'm know what I actually I understand entirely. now when now like I look back at my childhood I was like man my mom like the McDonald's thing I remember I was obsessed with <laughs> McDonald's when I was younger it's coming out now <laughs> <laughs> every kid was but it's okay. yeah when you're I wanted a happy meal and I remember my my parents or my mom saying no no they're closed but now I know why it, it's necessary to do that it's like you're kind of protecting the child yeah yeah sometimes it's, it's easier to it's, it's hard sometimes to explain every single detail to a yeah, child you yeah. know there's a more impulse sometimes than than abstract thought so exactly. yeah. therefore it's not, you're not necessarily lying yeah you're just tainted the reality towards <laughs> you <laughs> i think it all but depends I do on think the that why it's a, i do think it's a great tool You know? Yeah, I, th I think it, it's all about the intention behind it. Like yeah. as long as you're consciously aware that you're doing it for a reason, then that's very different from just doing it and then thinking about it later. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's true. Um, how can parenting coach help other parents? Uh, um, what do they do and uh, what can a parent benefit actually from uh, having a parenting coach? So kind of similar to what I was saying before, they'll give you specific kind of strategies. Um, like, at, for example, at the moment I'm offering, because it's Thanksgiving month, Yeah. Um, I believe in giving as much as you're receiving, right? So I'm actually offering these one-to-one um, -one parenting blind spot sessions for free. And in that time, it's just like having a space to bounce ideas off someone. Mm -hmm. So the kind of, I just think... You can come away with some tools if you, you know, if you're working with a parenting coach, you can come away with tools, you can come away with actions to take and mm -hmm. goals. And then you have someone to keep you accountable along the way as well. Yeah. Um, but also just that kind of, like I was saying earlier, it's sometimes hard to see the wood for the trees. Like sometimes you need an outside person to just have a bird's eye view and say, yeah. hey, you might not have noticed this, but I'm noticing this over here could be different. How does that part feel to you? You know, so sometimes it's just useful to have someone do that. Yeah. yeah. It's like um, you you see the blind spots yeah. that I might may not see. Yeah. And I can't see my own yeah. ones. Like I am not a perfect parent yeah. whatsoever, which obviously is very obvious from the stories I've shared today. But, <laughs> but I just think there's something about acknowledging that we're all in this together and yeah. it's difficult for all of us. And it's also amazing and rewarding for all of us. But there are those really trying times and we, we are not aware of our blind spots. That's why we need someone to assist us with that part. Yeah. Um, when you're talking to uh, parents, do you ever come across, do you work with international uh, parents? And uh, what is the most common problem an international parent is having um, raising their children uh, in a different uh, country from their own? I do work with international parents. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, mo most of the work that I do, um, which is great, 
because of COVID and everything is actually online mm -hmm. because I don't feel that my Danish is good enough technically, mm -hmm. like professionally for me to come across in the way that I want to. The Danes that I have worked with say that everything is absolutely fine and they get what I'm saying and I can throw in the odd English word, but I feel more professional and more able to, yeah, to kind of explain it with the nuances in English. So I've decided to just work online with people from all over the world. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I do work with people who, you know, have gone to international schools themselves or their kids are in international mm -hmm. schools who are expats in various different places. And it's really interesting that you bring this up because recently I've been working with a lot of expat moms in yeah. different places. And the theme that keeps coming up for so many of them is a lot of them moving back home again okay. is that they don't feel they fit in. Oh, wow. Um, I just spoke to someone the other day and she said when she moved back to England after living abroad, she was like, oh, my God, everybody's so weird here. <laughs> and it was just like, okay, well, tell me, what do you mean by weird? Like, you know, she's like, but people just don't see it my way. I get why they see it their way, but I just look at it completely differently because I've had so many experiences of so many different cultures. And again, it's that kind of there is only one way to do it. So I think a lot of a lot of parents struggle with this kind of wanting to fit in and especially As anyone who's moved around a lot, right, if you move somewhere and you haven't grown up there, you've missed out on so much of the culture. Yeah. The cartoons they watched mm -hmm. as a kid, the stuff on, you know, on TV, the even the commercials, like so many things you, you won't know about. Yeah. And you can kind of learn some of it, but some of it you will always not be able to, you know pick up on or like learn about or whatever it won't come naturally so so there are lots of ways that we you know will always be the slightly what is it the square peg in the round hole yeah the different the different yeah. one it's like yeah. that is who you are and where you come yeah. from but culturally that's not you yeah. that's like me when i moved to the u.s and then when i'd go home to visit the philippines i was the, i was the foreigner i was like but i'm filipino no you're the foreigner you don't understand you know, how, what it, what this cartoon is or any of the way we live. And I always felt that way. Even to this day, I still uh, think um, I'm not Filipina, but I am Filipina. It's, it's such a weird, weird mixture. Now I feel like my daughter is going to have it. She's American, but she won't grow up in the culture of uh, American or being American. She'll always be Danish, Um in, in my opinion. <laughs> But there's also so many, um, and what you're saying really resonates with me. I can totally relate to that yeah. 100%. Um, but I think there's also a lot of beauty and a lot of like really positive stuff in that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like kind of hanging on to that, even when we yeah. feel like, oh, I don't fit in here and I don't fit in here either. But that's actually because I'm this unique, amazing person that brings something different to the table. And that's okay too, because yeah. there's room for everyone. Yeah. That made me feel special. <laughs> Also, I, I feel like we, um, when you when you meet someone with different backgrounds, it's like you're in instantly interesting. It's like, mm -hmm. what? Really? It's like, you've lived there, you grew up there. It's just like a, 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 another conversation. Absolutely, yeah. Always curious to find out more. Like, yeah. What was that like for you? And, you know, or if it's someone you, that you've spent time in the same country as them for a while or something, it's like, yeah. oh, wow, you know, we you've were there, been there yeah. you've been there, and I know that place, and... Yeah, like like me having lived in the Philippines for a short year. Yeah, um, you know, I feel like we have like something. A you connection get to, there. you got to experience the food all yes. the time. <laughs> He yeah. loves Filipino food. <laughs> yeah, and the beautiful nature. Yeah, oh, it's stunning. I never, I never been there, but I you love mind. it there. It's, yeah. it's really beautiful. Yeah. Go there for the food and then enjoy all the amazingness. 
I will try. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely have you, it in, my, in my bucket. Yeah, you'll come, bucket you'll come yeah, back uh, like 10 pounds uh, heavier, definitely. Oh, so I'm not going to the Philippines then. <laughs> <laughs> Or you stay here with, and have McDonald's with me and you'll still get 10 pounds heavier. Uh, that's true. <laughs> Um, as an international parent, uh, I am always hard on myself naturally because my Danish is pretty shitty. Uh, I can't really communicate with teachers or I don't feel comfortable having my daughter's friends over because my Danish is uh, so bad. Um, they might not understand me. I'm worried that they might not understand me. If uh, I was in the U.S., it'd be completely different. I'd have, I'm, I would be the social parent because I, I am the social parent. But living here in Denmark, I'm don't feel that, that way and I don't feel comfortable that way. Um, how can an international parent move past that not good enough phase that um, many are probably having out there? This is this is such an important point. Um, I think I think actually all parents go through phases of feeling not good enough. Mm-hmm. I think that's almost like a tendency that's already in us, you know, and I think and you know this is not to exclude the men whatsoever, but I think there's something about, mothers women we have that little voice of like the inner critic mm-hmm. already like the negative self-talk anyway and then becoming a parent which at sometimes you know is challenging and difficult and we don't know what we're doing and there's no instruction manual right yeah. so we're kind of fumbling in the in the dark blindly so we're gonna have that not good enough feeling there already throw in you know a difficult language and all this stuff mm-hmm. and and it kind of highlights that and it's really difficult and and we need to be able to move past that because it it's all about mindset and perspective because I think your Danish is probably so much better than you imagine it is and you being that amazing bubbly social <laughs> butterfly that you are which I can feel from you anyway <laughs> I feel like not being able to like, express that just because of this little thing holding you back that yeah. is a language i feel like that stuff transcends language you should be able to be your bubbly amazing self in anyway. danish no, <laughs> well, no it doesn't I, even I have think to she's be right danish. i got yeah. hired to be a music teacher in a school mm-hmm. in denmark and i was like okay well you know i'm gonna be teaching kids that can speak english no 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 first grade second grade third grade fourth grade and i couldn't speak danish but they love it yeah. we have such a good time every time You know, and I couldn't speak, but I will. I, there's not only language to communicate. Yeah. And so, music. Again, that transcends yeah. all languages. Yeah, right. but it, it, it wasn't a problem. It was me thinking, oh, I'm in troubles. Yeah. Actually, it was the opposite, you know. Yeah. So it is a, a mindset, as you're saying. I, th- I think I really think mindset is a huge part of it. And I think the, the way the analogy I'd almost like to use with you is if you have a dog and you teach it how to do tricks, like yeah. to sit and stay and roll over, wonderful. That's like learning one language and being able to do whatever you do normally, right? Mm. Now, having a dog that's then able to control a robot, you know, or some really amazing thing. Yeah, the dog may not be good at steering this robot and getting it to do all these things. But still, like, it's really impressive that this dog is steering a robot. Like, who who would ever have thought a dog would be sitting there with, like, a remote control steering a robot? Like, so I think it's really about how, how, like, what are you measuring yourself by? If you're measuring yourself by, my Danish isn't good, therefore I can't this, this, and this, then yeah, then you're looking at, you know, the dog as, you know, shit, it can't steer, the robot is not doing well. But actually, if you're looking at it like, hey, you're learning a whole new language. Yeah. You're parenting in a totally different culture to what you're used to. Then actually it's really impressive. And whatever you do is actually really good progress. And it's just not allowing ourselves to be held back by other people's perspectives. Yeah. 
And that little voice inside our head that tells us we're not good enough or our Danish is shitty or whatever it might be, you know. Everybody has that little voice. It's yeah. just different flavors, different words, but it's still whispering the same kind yeah. of vibe. The and same and I don't of, think you, know. it, you can ever, like, shut it up because they'll always, you do one thing, it's like the other one's like, no, 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 you can't do that. So it's always, it's always going to be there and you can never make it be quiet. I, I agree. You can never totally shut it up. But one of the tools that I teach women like through my parenting course, is about turning the volume right down on that voice and turning the volume up on your inner cheerleader voice. Yeah, I think there's something about we are so conditioned to always focus on the negative, always focus on the lack, the scarcity, yeah. right? Like yeah. I'm lacking in this. There's yeah. not enough of this. I'm not good enough at this. But actually, like if we chose to constantly remind ourselves of all the stuff I am good at, you know, if, if you start the day every day reminding yourself of a moment, like reliving that moment of, of something that you're really proud of, yeah, a parenting moment that you think, yeah, I did that really well. Maybe not the battery one. Yeah. Or for me, <laughs> not the fish oil one, you know, but something else where we feel like I really connected with my kid or I really yeah. handled that well when they came to me with that problem. Yeah. And really visualize that and take some deep breaths and almost like when you're remembering that memory, be as though you're in your body embodying it. You know, what can you see? What can you hear? What can you smell? Like, what were you wearing? Like, all the details. Yeah. If you can do that enough times, you're kind of reprogramming your mind to focus on the positives. Oh, okay. And remembering that. So, yeah, if I could offer one piece of advice to people who feel like, oh, God, you know, I'm not good enough. Like, I really focus on the times that you do feel good enough. Yeah, I'll just, maybe when I have those uh, moments, I'll just look at um, my calendar it's like, oh, or some, a reminder of something happy <laughs> because that, that goes a, a lot for me it's just like oh your danish is not good enough your danish is not good enough and then my danish when i try to speak danish it just becomes shit because m in my head it's like you're not good enough you're not good enough yeah, but when i just free when i just free talk danish I impressed myself. I was like, whoa, I just had a full conversation one hour in Danish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's probably not as bad as you think. And, and, no. and there really Definitely is. Definitely leave it in the yeah. mind. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll just get to the last question because I'm getting the sign for uh, wrapping up. Uh, this will be the last question. Um, uh, parenting is extremely hard, but enjoyable at the same time. Uh, what is your tip to any parent or international parents listening out there? kind of handle living living abroad as an international parent? I think be yourself. And I know that's like such a cliche. Cliche? I can't even Cliche. say it. Cheesy, cheesy <laughs> you, cliche. You just made a new word. <laughs> I just made a new word. I combined two words. A cheesy cliche. Um, but there's something about when we move somewhere, sometimes we bend over backwards to try to fit in. We kind of body contort. It's like try to fit into this mold. And then we actually lose ourselves. And yeah. that's when we end up feeling not good enough because we're trying to fit in with everybody else. But if we stay true to ourselves and know that actually whatever, wherever we're from, it doesn't matter, you know, whatever culture or country or mix of cultures, like as long as you're just being uniquely you, you're bringing something amazing to the table. And so just kind of hanging on to that and not going into that, that mindset, that worry that everybody goes into sometimes, right? Um, yeah. Of like, oh, I'm not going to fit in or, you know, and, and some of it is just accepting that we are going to be different. Like yeah. we're we're never gonna totally fit the mold, and that's okay. Yeah, and I I also have to take that in consideration because I was like, I'll never be Danish. I'll never get the language. It will never. I can speak it, but it'll, I'll never get the accent because I get the Southern Danish accent. <laughs> Accents are hard, and Danish is really yeah. really hard. Yeah, yeah. 
But I just think as long as you remember that, um, or anyone, anyone who's international just remembers that, you know, who they are is good enough, right? Yeah. Um, and not going into that, that kind of worrying. And be, and because also, I think we're le- we're taught to be people pleasers, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of learning not to do that anymore. And yeah, being okay with people not always accepting us. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Camilla, and sharing your life uh, abroad as a parent and as a parenting coach. I definitely learned more about parenting uh, coaching from you today. Um, If you would like to reach out to Camilla and learn more about her parenting coach, you will find her contact on my Facebook page or on my website. Uh, Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to my podcast, uh, Facebook page, all the social medias that is out there. Uh, Also, my website's up and running, so check it out. Uh, Let me know what you think. You will find all my previous episodes there. Uh, Thanks, everyone, and that's a wrap. Tune in next week for the next episode. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>